Bring me shelter. I will not harm you. Bring me shelter, please. Bring me shelter. I will not harm you. I would shelter you. People would do anything for their families. It could happen to anyone anytime. Somebody in France, somebody in England basically sat down with a ruler and just drew lines on that. There are many different ethnic and religious groups that have been divided across borders. And this has caused a significant amount of conflict. There are a lot of people who need safety. It is really cruel for a country like Australia to have policies that are focused only on pushing people away. What we're seeing is a number of people that remain in a state of limbo. And when non-sustainable land use combines with climate change, the crisis of refugees... I wasn't able to go and play with children. I had to go and really be an adult from a very young age. I think that's something that a lot of migrant children can relate to. Really, it was a dream for me to reunite with my family. I was just praying and hoping that that day will come one day. I think it's very important for people to understand that people have their own dreams as well and they're wanting to change the world with everybody else. Refugee Radio, 855 AM, 3CR. Good morning and welcome to this slightly overcast morning on Sunday the 7th of July. My name's Amanda and it's a pleasure to be with you on the airwaves. You're listening to 3CR's Refugee Radio. It's 10 AM and I'll be with you for the next half hour. This morning on the show, we'll be joined by Miriam Salome, an artist and political activist originally from Homs in Syria and now based in Melbourne. We'll be discussing the current situation in Syria, as well as the response of those Syrian refugees who are now living outside of the country, as the UNHCR estimates that 5 million displaced people now are. It will be worth the effort to get to Darwin from the 2nd to the 4th of August for the Independent and Peaceful Australia Network's National Conference. Australia at the Crossroads, time for an independent foreign policy. Held under the ominous shadow of US-China contention and US-Australia military exercises for war on China, discussion and speakers will address the social and economic cost of militarism to Australia, the impact of militarism on the environment and the dangers posed to our peace and security by stationing US troops in Darwin. For more details, head to the Independent and Peaceful Australia Network's website at ipan.org.au. IPAN is a 3CR supporter. Thank you so much for joining us this morning, Miriam, and welcome to the show. Oh, thank you, Amanda. Thank you for having me with you today. <laughs> no, no, you, we're, we're very grateful. Um, so this morning I asked you to come on the show to give an update about what's currently happening in Syria. And I really appreciate not only your time, but I also wanted to just acknowledge how difficult talking about the situation can be. So thank you very much for speaking with me this morning so that people can know the most recent events. Thank you. Yeah. Um, okay, so firstly, I wanted to ask you uh, about a recent agreement between two countries who've been 
major players, I suppose, uh, in the Syrian conflict, uh, Turkey and Russia, there's recently been an agreement called the Putin-Erdogan Agreement. And from what I understand, this was signed last September and was an agreement between Turkey's President Erdogan and Russia's President Putin. Uh, Together, they announced a demilitarised zone between opposition and Syrian government forces in the last rebel bastion, which is Idlib. Um, So before we start delving into the specific situation in Idlib, would you like to give us some thoughts on the origins of this agreement? Oh, yeah, sure. Um, Like the agreement between uh, between, uh, between, uh, Turkey, Erdogan and Putin, it just like uh, to find the, to find a zone uh, which like uh, the arms. Sorry for my English. No, is, no, just, no. Yeah. Please don't <laughs> apologize. It, it's like yeah, it's just like uh, uh, agreement which uh, lead to nothing, especially that uh, Russia is a part of uh, the occupier in our country and participate in bombing on Idlib. So how they how they like do this agreement to uh, to make a zone there is no bombing on it or just like disarm all the weapons from two sides while uh, while Russia continue continue bombing Idlib until now and it's it started from September this deal. But as we can see, like even after Erdogan start to uh, to blame uh, Assad regime about uh, breaching uh, this deal and that will uh, make a risk on their deal not to continue or something. But what what we see from uh, from uh, Turkey so- Turkish side about about this, they still just continuing in all the massacres that happen in Idlib, bombing hospital and all this. It's just like a, a big lie, like, d- do you know how how we feel? It's just like yeah. talking, just talking and just like show the words. But in fact, in, in fact, on land, nothing from this happen it just like continuing it just like they want all the land to be in the hand of Assad regime uh, and disarm the opposition side and under the excuse that there is a neutral front and all this and they work all this just to uh, to like uh, have their benefits nothing else yeah yeah so I was doing a, a little bit of reading on this and it seems you know it's it's certainly a tactic that has been employed in um, in other in other conflicts in other war zones particularly where you have um, an aggressor government a regime and um, some sort of force that's fighting back I mean one of the obvious comparisons I think is with the um, with the the Tamil situation, you know there was there were areas that were declared, you know, no fire zones, so no peace uh, uh, peace zones, like buffer zones for the conflict where people um, were allegedly, you know, supposed to be able to to feel safe. But really, all that ended up happening was the um, in in the case of the Tamils, the Tamils kept their side of the bargain. Uh, but here as well, it just seems like a an 
an excuse to disarm the Syrian opposition, to disarm the Syrian rebels, whereas um, the the people who are, as you say, still doing the bombing, um, that's that's the Assad regime. Yes, that's correct. All what you said is just correct, and that's what happened. And that's so- what happened all the time. It- that's what happened in the area now, especially in uh, in Idlib. They just want to disarm the rebel in in that area, and just uh, make the Assad to take all the control all uh, on all uh, the lands of Syria. And um, for our listeners as well, this um, to put it in perhaps a little bit more context. So Russia has been a very heavy aggressor in this conflict. Um, so obviously, yes, the Assad regime, but uh, the Assad regime has been in allyship with um, with Russia and with Iran as well, actually um, more loosely. But um, so Russia has been an aggressor in this conflict, and they were one of the ones who brokered uh, this this peace buffer this demilitarized buffer with Turkey. So they promised an end to heavy weaponry and and, um, and and eventual withdrawal, actually. But this was in return for the demobilization of rebel forces. Um, and so I know as well that you wanted to talk about the specific situation in Idlib now. Can you describe what's going on, Miriam? Yeah, just like uh, continuing in uh, in uh, in the bombing and uh, targeting all the civilians area. It just it just like hospitals. Uh, there is a lot of hospitals just out of control, uh, out of uh, service, and uh, like they still like we see just the photo coming from there. Uh, coming from there with uh, children under the rubble or stuck in the rubble. There is somebody's like, we can't, uh, we can't take them out of the rubble. You can see just like horrible, horrible videos coming from there. Uh, in uh, in uh, like last uh, three weeks, maybe, like I just saw, saw photo, photos coming of uh, the little girl that I know, her name is Marwa. And just someone carrying hair covered by dust and all this due to the bombing from uh, uh, from Assad regime and and Russia. It's just like hor- horrible photos just coming f- from there. And just like Idlib and Hama, uh, we we really scared from what what will happen because it's the last areas under. Uh, 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 last area, which is uh, free and uh, not occupied by Assad regime, and just scared about how how much how many people just fleeing and take the lands under the olive tree, living now because they are fleeing the areas that targeted, and we and all from all the deaths that happen and killing all the time, we just like. Do you know, like, you still keep just all these eight years, receive, received this photo and yeah. saw all the horrific and talking to your friend. If you just read their message to us, it's just something horrible, how they live, how they record, how they still fight by recording and documenting all, all these horrific times that they live in. And, you know, it's just like all what you have just to use your voice. Yeah, and just to speak loud about what's going on there. And after eight years, like nothing, nothing has changed. 
it's just all the the death increasing the fleeing increasing the the situation getting worse and worse and worse and we keep like speak loudly but what's happened you know like no one listen no one cares uh, uh, the organizations that supposed supposed to work for human rights and save lives and all this like do nothing you feel that sometimes like carelessness about what's going on in there like uh, nothing happened in this world we live in peace you know yeah um uh, I guess I guess though one of the things too that strikes me uh coming out of all the horror is just the the resilience of so many Syrian people. Um, I know, for example, from speaking with you earlier, um, that you were keen to discuss a hunger strike campaign that's been started by Syrians, which I understand has been going on for a month now. Yeah, it started by uh, the activist um, uh, uh, Brita Hash Hassan. Uh, when uh, he uh, when he started his hunger strike uh, uh, in uh, Geneva in front of the United uh, Nations office in there, mm-hmm. and continue continue continued in his uh, hunger strike until uh, his health uh, get destroyed, and uh, took him to the hospital. Uh, but uh, it's this campaign, like just to start, a, many of Syrian activists to join. Like when someone couldn't stand and took him to the hospital, just as a Syrian start in his mm-hmm. hunger strike. And yeah, it it, it just like to uh, to make the international communities, the society, Western societies, and all the people like turn their eyes on the situation in Idlib and Hama and in Syria in general. Because, you know, we feel like every, every, every effort, even if it's a simple, it's, we need to do it. Yeah. Anything we need to do it, even like we want to uh, dig in the big rocks. And that will take from us a really long time, but we, but we need to do it. And this campaign is just like now many activists around the world from Syrian and other Syrians. There is Italian uh, poet also joined this, uh, this, uh, this campaign. And there is many others who started joining. Now we have around 47 uh, activists around the world join when someone couldn't continue the other start. It just will the ongoing campaign. And what are the demands of the hunger strikers? It's stop targeting civilians by uh, uh, stop uh, targeting uh, civilians by airstrikes uh, from uh, Assad and Russia, and stop these killings that's happened in uh, Syria that lead to uh, to uh, displace the people from their area, from their neighborhood. It's like to make the international community start doing Syrian, uh, serious step to do something really serious to, uh, towards stopping all, all the horrific things that's happened in my country. I've been reading as well. So even since the, um, 
since the the uh, the Putin Erdogan agreement, which, as we've been talking about, was designed to. Um, you know, at least uh, allegedly designed to um, uh, de- demilitarize the the entire zone of of Idlib. Um, since uh, since the thirtieth of April this year, the the death toll has risen um, to two thousand one hundred and thirty. I got that figure from the Syrian Organization of Human Rights. Um, and that is almost entirely due to bombings from uh, Assad's warplanes. So obviously, um, obviously, these warplanes and helicopters are still flying over the top of the de-escalation zone and dropping bombs, as you've said. What has yeah, been? Exactly. Yeah. What's What's the response been like to the hunger strikers? Has there been much international attention being given to it? I think it's a start like some medias to uh, to uh, cover and follow this uh, campaign and uh, try to talk about it. Mm-hmm. But uh, we still need to communicate with uh, uh, with organizations uh, that care about human rights and work for for them to uh, to uh, make it wider. Then we can like uh, spread more our message. And maybe we will will come with some uh, some uh, good outcomes about what's going on in our country. That's what we're trying to do. I just joined them recently, helping in some issue. I'm not sure if I'm going to join uh, this hunger strike later, but uh, yeah, just to continue what's going on in close with the activists that they already in. Um, but uh, that's the first thing that we're trying to do and ask to do to communicate with media more to cover this and uh, talk talk widely about this campaign about uh, about what we our demand from this campaign and all this. And I know that one of the things you also wanted to talk about was the refoulement of refugees. So particularly, um, you mentioned earlier uh, when we were lining up this interview from Lebanon, where they are deporting Syrian um, and handing them over to the Assad regime from, from where they fled. What's the situation with this? This, uh, this came in Lebanon like... Uh maybe one month ago, or maybe I'm wrong, I'm not sure in specific about this time, but they start uh, want to uh, deport the Syrians from there to, uh, to Syria, as, uh, as like ignoring as the, all these people is fleeing uh, the Assad bombing or demanded by the Assad regime, and just like ignore everything and don't give any care about the lives of these people if they will hand it over to the Assad regime. They're going to be arrested and tortured to death. We're pretty sure about uh, about what will happen to them. And just to start, like, um, start uh, 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 arresting these people and handed them to Assad regime uh, Recently, they took them in a truck or, or and uh, just going to the borders between uh, Syria and Lebanon and handed them to the Assad regime. 
And we know that all these young Syrian refugees will face the death, certain death. And they start, uh, they, they like, uh, they, they don't care. They just like continuing in this. And they already handed, handed over many, many uh, young Syrians uh, uh, refugee to the Assad regime. And, are there and there is some there is some uh, family who uh, who said also like uh, after they handed their uh, uh, their uh, children or uh, they have they don't hear anything after they entered the Syrian uh, land they have haven't heard anything about what's happened with that, their children in there. Yeah, look, that's that's actually a, another really prescient point. So apart from people dying in um, in bombings and, you know, airstrikes, um, there's also um, a really large section of the, the, the population who've died from, um, or deaths rather, within that population who've died um, has been because they've died in prison or they've simply, like you said, they've been disappeared, they've just not been heard from. And whether that's because they've been locked away in one of Assad's jails or they've been taken elsewhere, um, it, there's, there are so many families who don't know if their children are alive or not. Um, I wanted to ask you as well, is is the refoulement of refugees, so the um, handing refugees back to Assad, apart from Lebanon, are you aware of it going on from many other countries? Can you repeat Amanda's question? Oh, no, no, that's okay. Um, when um, when Lebanon have been handing uh, Syrians back over to, um, to Assad, to the regime, are you aware of other countries apart from Lebanon doing that as well? Or is it, has it mostly just been from Lebanon that that's been happening? And now just like in Lebanon... Uh... That's happened. I'm not sure about if uh, from Jordan will do something later like this or uh, from Turkey or do you know, but that's uh, just like in specific now happening uh, in uh, Lebanon, mm. Australia before yes. deported to Syrian, uh, to uh, Australian government deported like uh, to Syrian uh, to Syria. And one of them uh, got arrested for 20 days. And after that, uh, after they released him, uh, the, Assad the Assad regime released him, just like uh, got bombing on his area, uh, which, uh, which caused the death of his father in front of him. So Australia uh, did that before, and mm. now like uh, Lebanon doing this la largely, like a mm -hmm. huge numbers of uh, of Syrian just handed, and they, this situation became like more strict by Lebanon now. Mm, okay. And we really we really like scared from others, and also I have friend now who arrested by. Uh, Lebanese army, and he is in a prison, and now he is threatened to go back uh, to deport him to Syria. And this uh, this guy was a witness, um, a, a witness of a horrible massacre that happened in my country. 
and uh, who uh, who just surviving of this horrible massacre and just the uh, one of his uh, brother uh, lost since uh, 2011 after Assad regime arresting him uh, all his family before got arrested and released he, like his family suffered so much from the Assad regime. And now this man, if the Assad regime will uh, will get him from uh, Lebanese army, he gonna like get ex- uh, like uh, direct, uh, how mm, I can say, yeah. execution. Yeah. Like maybe field execution or tortured to death in his uh, prison. You, you know the horrific situation that's, that we're really afraid from what Lebanese uh, Lebanese government to do uh, doing now with a Syrian refugee. It's just like, do you know? Like I can't describe yeah. what will what will happen to all these people who are trying to find just a peace place to stay in until until all this end in our country, and now just like. You escaped the certain deaths in your country to find peace and just like taking back you to the certain deaths. Yeah. Back. Um, I, even I like when I saw these uh, these videos and I know like one of my friend now in the prison straightened to this. The times that I just think how they feel while they taking them. And they know they will face the, the certain death in there. I just like can't breathe, you know? Yeah. Um, look, we, we've probably only got a few more minutes left. And um, I know that this is a, a very difficult question and one that might be impossible to answer. But are these, are these, I, I know that everyone is quite scared, very um, legitimately quite scared. Um, But do you think that the acts of resistance that you've talked about, like the hunger strike, are they keeping the spirit of the revolution alive? Do you think there's a possibility that we will in fact see the fall of Bashar? And do you know the spirit of our revolution uh, never end or stop? It's still maybe continuing. Uh, it's still continuing, maybe in uh, in maybe really simple effort, but it's still never end in our uh, in in our heart or in our thinking. Every one of us may still like doing what he can or she can do. Uh, the Assad regime uh, fell from ages in our country from the time they arrested the, the, the kids in Dar'a and tortured them in Dar'a who wrote slogans on the wall of their school. Mm. From this time, we know that Assad fell, exactly fell. And now who, uh, who, uh, who playing, who playing on, on our ground, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, between two quotations, like silly things, the guarantees, uh, Russia, I'm, I'm just making jokes that they call them guarantees while they participating in the killing of, of the people in my country. Uh, Russia 
Turkey, Iran, uh, America, and all these players who taking the control and the decision of what's going on in my country. Assad regime, like uh, as a leg of a chair, that's how we think about him. And you can know in the visit, and you can know in uh, in the visit of Botin to our country, like a just a small sergeant push him back and make Putin uh, taking the front and talking to his soldier like he's nothing, you know? Yeah. Could, could I explain? We know that Assad regime uh, fell and Russia, Iran and all the other players who are taking the decision yeah. and continuing on all these horrific things. Okay. By the permission of, uh, not permission, I can't say permission, but by Assad, um, with helping of a uh, position of Assad regime. Okay, that's probably all we have time for, but thank you very, very much for joining us today, Miriam. Thank you, Amanda, and thank you for your patience. No, no, thank you so, <laughs> so much. It's such a difficult and complex topic. Thanks so much, Miriam. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. You're very welcome. This has been Refugee Radio. I've been your host, Amanda. And to take us out, here is the Asian Dub Foundation with Get Lost Bashar. Shiva, I'm not